0: donations at wjffradio.org support for radio catskill comes from the calicoon theater an updated vintage movie theater with new releases film festivals nostalgic screenings live music events and more information and schedule at the this
1: year we celebrated the anniversary of the americans with disabilities act did you know that that movement fought to change the world for All of us like the ubiquitous curb cut.
2: If you're somebody who pushes a stroller through the built environment, if you're someone who's dragging wheeled luggage behind you, if you're someone walking a bike, you participate in those politics, too. Join
1: us for this week's On the Media from WNYC.
0: Saturday afternoon at 4, right here on Radio Catskill.
1: Good morning and welcome to Catskill Character. I'm your host, Donna Fellenberg and today my guest is Amberly Jane Campbell. Although she hails originally from the New Paltz area, Amberly's adventurous nature has taken her all over the world. Besides the usual travel destinations like Paris or Amsterdam, she's also for a time lived in Tahiti, New Zealand, and Australia. She's had a variety of jobs from working in wardrobe on a Mark Ruffalo film, reading the news at a radio station, photographer whose photos ended up in the New York Times, costume director for a circus in Miami, to writing a sex column in a newspaper. She is now the publisher of the Shawangunk Gunk Journal. Hers has not been a conventional life, so I'm going to have her tell you all about it. Welcome to Catskill Character, Amberly. Thank you so much, Donna. I'm so happy you're here today. You know, living up here, one hears all kinds of stories about people who went to Woodstock. And your parents went to Woodstock, correct?
2: They did. Um, they were actually married at the time. They had my two brothers who were young at that point, uh, probably pre-teens. And they left my brothers with my grandfather who had been um in the Navy. And they had long hair. And when my parents came back from Woodstock, they walked right past them in uh, the living room. Uh, because my grandfather had given them buzz cuts. Oh, God. <laughs> and they couldn't, they didn't even recognize them. And they refused to look at them until their hair grew back in. Oh, boy. Yeah. What a
1: shock. <laughs> but your parents responded to Woodstock in a very different kind of way, I would say, than most people did. What do you think?
2: So, so yeah. So when they came back from Woodstock, they... um They did convert to being Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, Yeah,
1: because, you know, when I heard Jimi Hendrix, that was the first thing that I thought of.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I know it's kind of um, it makes no rhyme or reason sense, but um, that's what happened. So tell me what being a Jehovah Witness is all about. So Jehovah's Witnesses, um, they are a branch of uh, Christianity, I suppose. And they, um, you know, they believe in Jesus and they don't celebrate um, any pagan holidays. So they don't celebrate any holidays. um, No, no birthdays, um, nothing of that sort. So growing up, uh, you know, if if there was a Halloween party in the classroom, I had to go sit in the office Mm. while the kids, you know, ate the cupcakes and celebrated the holidays. And
1: you never had a birthday party.
2: I did not until I was much older have a birthday party so what
1: what was that like for you?
2: It was a very kind of isolated youth, but it was also a very happy youth. You know, I had a very ha- happy childhood, but um, I couldn't hang out with anybody who wasn't a witness, so there was only a few you know girls who were witnesses I could hang out with and um you know, I spent a lot of time adventuring in the woods, reading, making art art and crafts of that kind of thing. Mm -hmm.
1: So it kind of helped you to be happy with yourself, content with yourself in a way.
2: I think so. Yeah, it probably did. Um, made me happy. Yeah, to just be by myself and kind of uh, it also, you know, sitting in the meetings, and you know, having to sit there, my mind would wander a lot. So I think that helped with my imagination.
1: Mm. How long were the meetings?
2: Oh, well, they were, you know, three times a week for two hours. Wow. Um, and then, you know, you also had this you studied the Bible and other publications separately, and you know studied with other people, so it was it was a lot of time mm. every week
1: well, what was it that finally made you leave
2: well um I was uh probably sixteen, and uh, my friend was getting married and her Uh, husband-to-be's family came over from England.
1: And these were all witnesses. Right.
2: And his brother was a witness, but he was also gay. And he had so much Mm. self-loathing. And I said to myself, this can't be right you know, love can't be wrong, you know, something is wrong here. Mm. And, and that started, you know, I started questioning things when I was 17. You know, I started living the double life, I would go to R rated movies, and, you know, maybe like drink a little bit and you know, stuff you're not Ooh, supposed to so do. Wild. I, I know, very wild, you know, hang out with people who weren't witnesses. Oh, boy. Yeah, it kind of progressed from there. Mm-hmm. I spo- you know, I lost my virginity at 17. That's a big no, no. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm sure it's. You have to wait till you get married. Right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that must have opened a lot of doors for you.
2: Um, you know, I, I. How could
1: this be wrong?
2: I. Uh, well, no, I actually felt really guilty. You oh. know, after, uh, as many people do. You know, many many people who were witnesses and leave it um, have a lot of difficulty having like a normal sex life or just not feeling guilty and shame and you know all these things. Now it's fine. You know, I I kind of got out of that super fast. Um, and learn to enjoy myself and, and other people really, really quickly, thank, thankfully.
1: Yeah. So when you do decide to do something like that, to leave, what happens to all your connections, your family, your friends?
2: So, so I was actually, I didn't leave until, until much later when I was maybe about 22. And, um, it was right after 9 11 and I was the managing editor of a paper in Millbrook. And I said to my mom, you know, I'm leaving the religion and I'm leaving the state you know and i and um
1: did you feel you had to leave the state well no totally... i just
2: i i wanted to i mm. wanted to leave the state because i had never you know 911 happened and we had to cover it for the paper you know a lot of kids parents died firefighters mm. you know it was really tough yeah. and i said to myself you know i've never i've never been anywhere so why am i just sitting in new york you know where i was born and raised so um, about a month after 911 i got in my convertible and i just started driving cross country and um, and so yeah, so I had left the religion at that point, and my parents, you know, kind of disowned me for a while. They didn't talk to me. I came back to New York in 2003 to go to college, and when I went to university at Stony Brook, um, we kind of agreed to disagree, or yeah, we agreed to disagree a little mm. bit.
1: Well, you know, I'm thinking with all the restrictions that you you were under. When you finally did make a break, you had to kind of approach your life with a a sort of fearlessness.
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's like at that point, it was, it's really hard to be indoctrinated. You know, I mean, you're born into something, you're totally indoctrinated into it. Some would say brainwashed um, into believing a certain, you know, set of beliefs and ideals and all kinds of things. And when you finally break free from that and really question it, It really allows you to question everything else, you know, why I should just be doing what makes me happy and and what, you know, makes other people happy and makes the world a better place. But all of the convention and the things that people put on you and what they expect from you, that's, you know, kind of useless sometimes. Mm -hmm.
1: What was your mother's reaction that day when you told her you're you're leaving the religion and you're leaving the state? She
2: cried. She cried. We were in the CVS parking lot and she cried and she was, you know, she was very sad. But she, you know, we had a a really good coming together um, after that, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: which I'm sure we'll, you know, touch on. But yeah,
1: Um, did would she then have to be the one to turn and break the news to your father or did you tell him as well?
2: Um, She told him and um, and I had to, you know, explain myself to him a bit. And I did, you know, and I told them why I disagreed with it. And there was many reasons, you know, women are not equal. Um, women can't give sermon, you know, When and when I told my mom that 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 was one of the reasons I was leaving, she said, I don't know if I'd want to hear sermon from a woman. And I mm. said, Mom, think about what you just said. And to her immense credit, she did. She paused. She thought about what she said. And she said, wow. And I said, yeah, they got to you you know, that you wouldn't, you don't think that it's as as important coming from a woman says a lot about what they've made you believe about women and men.
1: Absolutely. Isn't that what goes on in the Catholic Church, too? Women can't be priests?
2: Oh, I don't, yeah, I mean, I think so.
1: Well, I don't want to go there.
2: Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> I have a
1: lot to say about that, but... We won't go there. So when you wrote your sex column when you were in college, it must have been pretty eye-opening for you to hear these other people's struggles and what have you.
2: Oh, sure. So when I... When I went, you know, when I left the religion and kind of came to terms with my sexuality and then really embraced my sexuality. And then I was in college and it's just, you know, a smorgasbord of like mm-hmm. sex and drugs and parties and, you know, all the kind of great stuff. And um it was when I first got to campus. And I picked up the, there was a traditional paper on campus and an alternative paper. Of course I pick up the alternative paper. And, um, I go to one meeting. I was a little bit older. You know, I was like 23, 24. And they were, and, um, I wrote a column called How to Break Up with Your Significant Other for Valentine's Day. And it got such a great response from kids on campus that they were like, you should write a sex column. So I did. I started writing the sex column. Oh my goodness. Best four years of my life. Really? Um, oh, man, I mean, sure, I got invited to all the good parties, you know, you get a certain amount of notoriety, uh-huh. um, you know, certain people would show up in the column. And, you know, it was it was good fun. I can't say it wasn't. It was great. Do you remember one particular column
1: that you wrote that you could talk about on air that maybe was funny or touching or?
2: Wow. Um, I mean, I, I definitely... Wow. I mean, I wrote over 40 columns over the course of the time um, because we came out every other week and I have to say that It was always nice when I would get, you know, questions from kids on campus and and they would say, oh, you know, I didn't realize that, you know, a woman had three holes down there. Or, you know, (laughs) I mean, I mean, you really do have, you know, you're there is a certain amount of educating people. And, you know, it's also fun and entertaining. But, I, you know, I mean, all the questions that I got and the good feedback that I received and, you know, I would write about, oh, I interviewed Noam Chomsky. And I wrote about him in the, in the, one of the columns.
1: You wrote about his sex life?
2: No. Well, no. Unfortunately, (laughs) he did ask me if I wanted to hang out. Um, Oh, no. But I. (laughs) He asked me if I lived on campus. One of the big regrets of my life is that I did not lie to him. And I told him the truth. And I said, yes, I live on campus. And he was like, oh, never mind. then." Wow. I know. And then I went to the press office, the, the newspaper, and they were like, why didn't you tell him you lived at the press house? You know, and I just was like, I, I couldn't lie to him. You know, he he asked me and but I had a great interview with him. You know, we talked about anarchy and and um, mm. and aliens. I asked him if he believed in aliens. And now that's my go to question. Yeah. for everybody. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the only job that you told me that you found you just couldn't bring yourself to do was being a dominatrix. You got a job and you lasted about two weeks. What does a dominatrix do exactly that you just couldn't bring yourself to do?
2: So so this was um, and I don't. I don't tell this to everybody, but, you know, only for the good folk. So so being a dominatrix, you know, I mean, there's a certain amount of leather and latex involved and and there's a certain amount of, you know, some people like to be tied down and spanked and some people um, just kind of want you to to talk to them dirty and and some people just really want to talk to somebody mm. um, you know I mean one gentleman had like a dental fetish I mean people are into all kinds of different things but yeah. but what the fact that the reason I couldn't do it is because I realized that I couldn't be mean to people even when they wanted me to be mean to them and were paying me to be mean to them mm. I still was you know is not who I am
1: well what a great thing to find out about yourself <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Okay, so I think we'll take a break here okay. and we'll come back. This is Catskill character in WJFF with today's guest, Renaissance woman Amberly Jane Campbell. After a short break, we'll return with more from Amberly, so stay tuned.
0: Hey there. I'm Cassie of Rare Pair Radio. It's a weekly showcase of primarily female artists,
1: but also a wide range of avant-garde musicians. I will be playing the fruit of post-punk,
0: experimental, and fringe music, only on WJFF Radio
2: Catskill.
0: Rare Pair Radio, Friday at 8 p.m. WJFF Jeffersonville. W233AH Monticello. Your community radio station. Welcome back to Catskill
1: Character. I'm Donna Fellenberg, and my guest today is Amberly Jane Campbell. In the first half of the show, Amberly told us what life was like being raised as a Jehovah's Witness. When she finally left at 22, she wasn't sure what she would do, and so she traveled all over the world doing, well, everything from costume designing for a circus to writing a sex column. She even had a short stint as a dominatrix that didn't work out. In the second half of the show, Amberly will tell us what happened right after she got the job offer of a lifetime while living in Australia and how not being able to accept that offer changed the course of her life. Let's get back to her story. So Amberly, while you were living in Australia, you had two things happen simultaneously.
2: Right. So I was living in Sydney and I was living in a house with a bunch of people and the woman who owned the house, uh, Jenny Orchard, is a is an artist in Sydney and she, you know, she's got a name for herself there and she makes ceramics. And so... Um, I was making ceramics with her and I was uh, helping her get ready for this great big show. And we were working in her studio um, the whole time that I was in Australia. And she shared studio space space with the dean of students at the National Art School in Sydney, Australia. And he... um, was wonderful. And he saw, you know, my progression of what I had been making the whole time I was there. And he offered me a job to teach ceramics, uh, at the national art school. And wow,
1: I don't think that happens too often. Does it?
2: (laughs) It it was incredible. And I was so excited. And of course, I was going to do it. And then, um, it was a couple days later that my mom emailed me, uh, and told me that she was terminally ill and she had Lou Gehrig's disease And so, um, you know, of course, I did not take the job. I ended up moving to Florida where she was and taking care of her for the last year and a half of her life. Mm. Wow. I'm
1: so sorry. Oh, thank you. Was your dad still alive at that point?
2: Oh, yeah. And he is. Yeah, he's in New York. Mm -hmm. So
1: as tragic as that is, and in a way, it's a gift to be able to spend those last Moments, those last couple of years or not even two years with someone that was so important to you. But as tragic as it is, something really wonderful came out of that.
2: Right. So, I mean, I I moved to Florida. um, And, you know, it was the other wonderful thing that also happened was that I got to get back in touch with my mom and who she really was and kind of tried to help her figure out you know, what she wanted to do with her time and, and help make it happen as best I can. And so, you know, we, we got really close and we became best friends in a way that we never were. And, you know, over the course of the disease, she, you lose your ability to talk. She lost Mm -hmm. her ability to talk. So I became her mouthpiece, you know, and, and I would like swear and she would kind of get mad at me, but then she would be happy because it was it was freeing for her a little bit she never swore she was a very proper kind of you know woman but um so but but um 5 weeks before she passed um i a mutual friend told me hey you know who's in florida neil campbell's in florida you should look him up and neil was this boy that i knew 20 years prior and we used to make out on the school bus when we were 13 ooh <laughs> and i would take pictures of him skateboarding and um does that make you a couple
0: well, I think we were yes. briefly sure, yeah, <laughs>
2: in that way that 13-year-olds are. Right. And um and I said, "Oh, I should look him up. He's only a little bit away." And so I messaged him on Facebook and we started talking and a week later we met up and it was just instant instant love, instant crazy, you know, all these feelings of of beautiful love and everything. And he um He got to meet my mom again and he came to hospice and saw her. And for her to see him and how he looked at me gave her such a measure of peace. What a gift. Yeah, to know that I would be, you know, taken care of.
1: Oh, my God. I love that. That's (laughs) so fantastic. Here's someone you had a crush on as a kid 20 years later. And he actually, in his own way, just by being there, helped you to help your mother transition.
2: Oh, oh, he absolutely. I mean, I don't. Yes, I don't know what I would have done without him. Mm. I, I definitely think it was, you know, meant to be.
1: And now you're married.
2: We are. So um we we, you know, mom passed in 2011. We got married in 2012. I got pregnant in 2013. <laughs> we, right moved, time. <laughs> we moved up to New York in 2014. We bought our house in 2015. And Fantastic. there it goes.
1: <laughs> and now you're the publisher of the Shuang Tank Journal. Tell me about that.
2: Right. So um we're out of Ellenville and we're a great, you know, local, independent, community weekly. And what we're doing is also, uh, helping to sustain student journalism through The Devil's Advocate, which is a student publication out of Ellenville. It's going to be recreated in Rondout, also a school in the city and a school in Minneapolis, but it's a free student app. And, um, you know, there's a club and, you know, there's an editor and these students, they live on their phones, So that's how you reach them. Mm. And um, and they you know, it could be anything about, you know, from student lunches to a student who was unvaccinated and couldn't go to school. But the whole spectrum of things that students deal with. So it's a great window into their mind and what they're thinking. And it also, you know, revives student journalism in the process.
1: So you do local news, of course. Do you also do national News or, um, or, we or do you just really, sort of leave that for the other yeah, papers. Yeah,
2: we 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 don't really. We've found that people don't want us to tackle national news, and that's fine with us. We'd rather not. We definitely do regional news, so we'll do like county news mm-hmm. and even some New York-related stories, like the measles outbreak and things mm-hmm. of that nature. But we try to keep it as hyper local as we can.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Well. I don't want to leave the audience with the misguided impression that you're now leading a very traditional life, wife, mother, you know, right. career woman, because Amberly, what is it that you do for fun?
2: Um, so I'm, I skate roller derby with the Mid-Hudson Misfits roller derby team uh, out of Accord okay (laughs) and I actually started that when um I was taking care of my mom nearly a decade ago in Florida as an outlet to just you know not go crazy but and it and it so roller derby saved my life as well you know it's an amazing catharsis you have this great camaraderie with these amazing girls that are I'm still very close to they would bring me you know stew at hospice and take care of me you know Mm. At the end and um it's a real community it's a real community absolutely yeah and I I do joke around I tell people that I do roller derby and you know it's it's what keeps me out of prison so
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I have a a scar on my face from um, a melanoma that uh, I had to have extracted but I always tell people I got it in a bar fight
2: (laughs) I love it I love that Right on. You know, it's got to stay a little edgy. You do. You definitely do.
1: (laughs) So uh, tell me more about roller derby. How does it, I mean, what, I've, of course, I've seen scenes of roller derby but i never really understand what it how it works
2: right so roller derby is definitely a real sport we've had i think three or four world cups and america i think has won them all but you know it used to be that it was more like you know wrestling and where it was kind of staged back in the day and everything now it's like totally legit sport we are all padded up um you know we get on the rink and we we you get a point for every person you pass of the other team the oh, jammer okay. does. One one person scores. I don't, you know, I don't like to go through the whole all the rules and everything cuz right. it's like it's such an ordeal, but so it's basically a choreographed mosh pit on skates.
1: Oh, okay, now I get it. <laughs> <All right. laughs> And tell us
2: your name on the mis- Mid Hudson Misfits. It is Jane Bondage, and my number is double o seven. But it is I was named by a fellow Derby girl in Florida for my um, stint as a dominatrix. That's where the name came from.
1: <laughs> of course, <laughs> of that course. makes total sense. <laughs> and you mentioned that you di- you started it in Florida, and it really saved your life. What are you getting out of it now?
2: Oh, oh, I mean. I- At this point, I think I've actually been on the New York team longer than the Florida team. And, um, I mean, the girls that I am friends with are, you know, some of my best friends and just an amazing group of people. They're, they're amazing support structure. I love them so much. I mean, it's, it it truly is, you know, a gift in my life that Mm -hmm. I'm thankful for.
1: Didn't you tell me that you just had a, what do you call them? Oh, about. Meat? Oh, right. about.
2: So we just had a, ba- a bout about on um, Saturday, and I am a bit sore. I have some, you know, bruises and and whatnot. But it was it was such a good time. It was a benefit for Toys for Tots, and uh, my daughter's Daisy Scout group came, and they had a great time. Yeah, it, it's good for the community.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm glad you said that because I think. I typically, and I don't know how typical I am, but I would think of roller derby as being kind of randy, you know, it's a little sexy. Oh, sure. But if you're, you know, you just said these little kids are there watching it. So obviously it's
2: not. Like it, that. It's funny that to see the to see the evolution of it over the last decade since I've been playing when I first started playing in Florida, it was very sexy. You know, we wore fishnets oh. and we had, you know, and now yeah, that's
1: my image. Right.
2: That's and that's a lot of people's image. Totally, you know, understandable. But now it's way more, you know, we're wearing like athletic clothing and. Trying to be athletes about it. How
1: do you train for it? What do you do? You have like a training regimen that you do every um, day. We or? do.
2: Have, we have practice. We have practice a couple times a week. Um, but there are some girls that are really serious about it, and they, you know, do CrossFit and they go to the gym, and you know, are just like very active. But you try. You you need to build up your core and your stamina.
1: That is fantastic.
2: Thanks, Donna.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much for coming in today. I want you to give the website for. Oh, the sure. So, Mid, Mid-Hudson Misfits. Right. So and
2: MidHudsonMisfits.com. And you can also find us on Facebook. Um, and you can certainly message us there. And also, um, the Shuangang yes. Journal is the newspaper. And our website for it is NewsAtomic.com.
1: NewsAtomic.com. Yeah. Anything going on that we should know about, you know, in the area that you just covered?
2: Oh, wow. Um I wasn't ready for that question. Sorry. <laughs> um, I'm not sure what's coming out this week. To be honest with you, I now that we have a managing editor, oh, she is amazing. And yeah. she really deals with more of the editorial stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of more um, in the bigger picture stuff and the yeah. news atomic kind of stuff.
1: Okay. Well, I just have one more question for you. Do you believe in
2: aliens? Uh, <laughs> Um, I definitely do I hope I hope that there is other life out there there must be
1: well I would just say go to wjffradio.org go into the archives and look for my show with Jonathan Charles Fox who it was all about his alien encounter oh
2: wow cool. I'll,
1: I'll get the date for you okay. later cool. thank you so much for coming in I really appreciate it thank you so much Donna. it was a lot of fun You've been listening to Catskill Character and WJFF Radio Catskill. Catskill Character is on all but the last Saturday of the month at 1130, right after Farming Country. That last Saturday of the month, tune in to Travels with Triggs with Greg Triggs. And don't forget the website for the Mid-Hudson Misfits is midhudsonmisfits.com. I'm Donna Fellenberg, host and producer of Catskill Character, and I thank you so much for listening.
0: Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Calicoon Theatre, an updated vintage movie theatre with new releases, film festivals, nostalgic screenings, live music events, and more. Information and schedule at thecalicoontheater.com. Support for WJFF comes from Two Queens, offering coffee, tea, and bees. Located in Pete's Plaza, Narrowsburg, New York. Twoqueenscoffee.com. And from listener donations at wjffradio.org. On this week's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, Christine Baranski shares her fondest wish for the new year. Let me
2: try and do it. Another reason not to move. Another vodka
0: stinger. I'll drink to that.
1: I'm Peter Sagal. Join us as we start the new year by trashing the last one just one more time.
2: It's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR.
1: Sunday morning at 10
0: on Radio Catskill.
2: Radio Catskill, keeping you connected with The Local Edition.
1: People in our neck of the woods, they're worried.
2: Join us for community interviews and news weeknights at 630.
0: We had about 85 families come through and each family got a bag of food.
2: Right after All Things Considered.
0: What happened yesterday was not good governance. We were sandbags.
2: The Local Edition. Community news for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania on Radio Catskill, weeknights at 6.30.
0: Support comes from the Homestead School, Glens Bay, New York. Montessori education and life skills for preschool through 8th grade on an 85-acre campus with farm animals. Award-winning solar-powered alternative since 1978. Homesteadschool.com.
1: Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Sink General Store, featuring an award-winning chef, smoked barbecue year-round, local products and catering now offering takeout never General and from listeners like you
0: wjff jeffersonville w23388